0: esto? es lo que se a de él de
1: Thank yeah. you. i'm not to be successful you can you can i okay. to okay. okay. Okay, guys. Uh,
0: no microphones? No? Okay. So... <clears throat> <laughs> okay, good afternoon. Um, I know there's a lot of... You know whatever situation with the technique thing, but it's okay. Uh, we are, you know, we we can do that easily. Okay, so uh, next week you're gonna have a quiz, right? Uh, it's around 12 question of anatomy and I don't know if 12 of well, physiology or 10. I don't know. But it's uh, it is very important for us to study. You know. Uh, What about the the muscles in in the face, right? Um, Innervation, cranial nerves. Again, cranial nerves in the next test is gonna be 20% of cranial nerves. So highly suggest you guys, go over the cranial nerves until you know them very well. From where they arise, where the nuclei are, how they uh, left the cranium, okay? how they travel together, which one are making the upper, the medial, and the lower ganglia for the sympati- parasympathetic, which one is uh, motor, which one is going to innervate the, the sensory part. Viseral motor, which one is gonna innervate the visceral motor part? Okay. Uh, I will try to complete next week, Wednesday, because Wednesday we're gonna have lecture. the The special senses. This is this is gonna be very fast, right? Because we have the cranial nerve already, so we don't need to go again on cranial nerves. Okay. We're gonna go specifically on the vasculature okay, the, the lymphatic drainage, the anatomical relationship, because mouth, you know, nose, eyes, ears are important for us, right, ENT is, is, is in, the, in the fold, and then we're going to go on the back, okay, back, the whole uh, vertebral column with the, you know these plexuses and uh, all of these nerves and so the uh, i mean um it is it is very important for us to remember that we need to go over the cranial nerves again okay are we good with this you have the whole information with you guys and you have a good book okay so go there um Okay, so we, we were studying the, the neck, and uh, we stopped where we
1: stopped? Um, okay,
0: on the 20? Eight. Yeah, I changed some of the, the slides. Why is that? Because in order for us to understand and uh, locate the triangles of the neck and see how platisma platysma works, instead of looking at my clown face and see the my platysma okay we're going to see this platysma muscle that is going to be innervated by the cervical branch of what nerve guys the facial nerve. nerve because it's part of what the, uh, dragging down the angle of the mouth right yeah. i'm so soon Anyways, okay The lateral view, it is important for us to visualize mentally and understand this course of the accessory nerve, innervating the trapezius and sternocleidomastoids, right? So, my trapezius is weak, I cannot shrug my shoulders. What is one to blame? What is the nerve to blame? Accessory. Accessory. My sternocleidomastoid. No injury in the muscle. You don't have any injuries in the muscle because injuries in your muscle can give you as well, but we haven't gone yet there. Okay. So, uh, sternocleidomastoid weakness as well. We cannot what? Go against the resistance of the of the examiner right so i have a sternocleidomastoid that is weak right here you go um it is important for us to determine the anterior border of trapezius because it's the area where we're gonna find all of these posterior chain lymph node chain right remember guys Lymph nodes are filtering the lymph. And just be aware from which region we're going to filter the lymph. Okay? In the mandibular, in the mental, right? The deep cervical, that is so important. And at the end of the story, we're going to filter almost everything over there. So finding a problem. Finding a, a lymph node that is swollen, and even depending on the characteristic, we're going to determine what is happening there. Okay, jugular notch, jugular notch, from where the jugular vein, right? What about the, the sternal notch? It's another landmark of the neck, right? It's the root of the neck, we can say, at the base of the neck, the way you can. Uh, you know, the greater supraclavicular fossa because the leader supraclavicular fossa is over here, right? The greater. Okay, we have other leaf nodes over there, right? Okay. So uh, the angle of the mandible is a very important landmark for a lot of things, right? The angle of the mandible the external jugular vein, the internal jugular vein, the carotid arteries, the trapezius muscle, again, the jugular notch, okay? The supraclavicular fossa, remember, the tiny little one and the great or big clavicular fossa over here, okay? And the way we palpate the submandibular lymph nodes. But it's anatomy, we need to have, make sure where are they located, okay? Uh, the mandibular edge, right? Under the, the mandible. So we went over these. We talked about the fascia, guys. Uh, fascia, very important, why? Because the, you know, we're gonna have some infections around, Fascia, remember, is wrapping structures, structures in the neck. And fascia is made up of connective tissue. And every time we're gonna find a muscle, we have the muscle fascia. That is gonna known as a, who tell me? Sorry? Again? Come on. Yeah, but uh, normally we,
1: Blatisome? sorry, Blatisome?
0: no platysma is a Blatisome. muscle, Blatisome. okay, what is that, guys, adventitia, uh, mm. okay, guys, anyways, <laughs> <laughs> yes, essentially it's epimycium, right, Epimycium is wrapping up a muscle, okay, epimycium is wrapping up the muscle externally It's the outermost layer okay of a muscle but anyways the investing layer is very important for us remember this uh investing layer is the most superficial part of the deeper fascia okay and this one is gonna Go around the sternocleidomastoids and surround the muscle totally, surround many structures. It is important for us to understand the superior uh, attachment, the anterior, the inferior, and the posterior, the superior occipital protuberance, and the superior nuchal line in the back. Okay? Because it's superior and posterior at the same time, right? Mm -hmm. Superior and posterior. So attached to the hyoid bone. Hyoid bone results a very interesting bone at this point for us in the anterior part of the neck. Because from the hyoid bone... We have the, let's say, that the, the larynx hanging down from, from the hyoid bone. It's like a, hey, you know? So, inferior attached, inferiorly attached to the spine and the acromion of the scapula. Acromion of the scapula, okay? And the manubrium of the sternum. Oh my God, this fascia, right? Okay, it's okay. It's okay. So, carotid sheath, what is in it? Not for this quiz, for your exam. For this quiz, no. But for the exam, the carotid sheath, guys. From north to south, from east to west. Okay? No, now. No for the, the quiz. Okay? So, um, the. Okay, let me see. <laughs> uh, the pretracheal layer of this cervical fascia anterior part of the neck from the hyoid to the thorax if we have an infection, this infection is going to open the way down to the mediastinum producing a mediastinitis and affecting the organs over there if we have a retropharyngeal space in the retropharyngeal space if we have an abscess this abscess affects a lot of places and can complicate a lot. And I received a very nice question. <coughs> I, I thought it was at 6 a.m., but <laughs> it was at 6 p.m. yesterday. Okay, that means you're studying. So, thank you for that. Complication of a retropharyngeal abscess. Can you imagine if you have an abscess? That means we have a lot of pus over there increasing the tension of the area, right? So this is gonna press to the back a lot. Can open the way to drain spontaneously, okay? Can reach a a blood vessel and damage this blood vessel, can compress a blood vessel, producing an ischemia in the area can reach as well the pleura because everything is closed in the area. So we can have a complication, can compress the larynx. Are we going to have difficulties to breathe? Okay. Can open back close to the what? The vertebrae, right? uh can produce or can send a septic thrombus to the let's say a eugler vein the internal one oh my god a lot of complications is a life-threatening condition sure it is in children is is worse because the anatomy is not ready yet it's not mature everything is is like the cartilage or are uh, uh, you can say softer than in adults? Okay, all the area is complicated in children, and this happens in children. Okay, uh, in adults, a lot. Uh, we're gonna study this in the fall, but you know, have this, uh, uh, have this in mind because from there we're gonna spread the infection everywhere. So we went over this already. Spreader infection in the neck, all of this that is gonna happen, compresses structure that are located superiorly, inferiorly, posteriorly, and anteriorly, and spreading all this um, uh, infection everywhere. And of course, it's gonna produce meningitis as well. It's, a, it's just a 1.5% of the cases. But let me tell you, infections of the neck and the face, for the one that read the danger area, mm-hmm. you know that can affect the meninges. Okay? Can spread all over the, the infection and produce a meningitis. And we're going to study this in the ear, for example. Okay, carotid arteries, it is important for us uh, carotid kind of artery arteries is, a, is a, a very important landmark in the neck, okay, and it's situated at both sides of the trachea, right, between the trachea and the sternocleidomastoid muscle, the anterior one, right. So, uh, we study as well the variation. This is a digastric muscle, right. Uh, digastric muscle for us is, is very important because, number one, digastric is separating areas, right? And on top of this, is telling us that in the neck, in the anterior part of the neck, we have a triangle that is known as a digastric triangle of the neck, right? So over here we have the, the carotid artery. Okay the internal, the external part of the artery, the higher branches, all of these are the are related uh, with the larynx, okay, and are going to supply as well the thi- the thyroid gland, okay, don't forget that part, so um The internal jugular vein, remember that in this carotid sheath we have as well the vagus nerve. Okay? And if you want to locate from the point of view of um, an an anatomical relation, I want you to tell me which carotid artery is this one. Look at me. Are you sure? Are you sure? No, you're not sure, right? Uh, because it's not right. Look at me. Uh huh. What is the outermost for me? External jugular vein, then we have internal jugular vein, then we have in between, like in a sandwich, the vagus, and then we have the carotid artery, right? Okay? Externally, anatomical directions, anatomy directions and plans and so. So look at this. From here to there, okay? Let's say internal jugular vein, the carotid artery, and in between these two we have the vagus nerve. It is very important for us to remember this detail now. The left vagus, okay, that is gonna leave the the vagal node or the vagal ganglion, the left one is gonna go and cross by the aortic arch. And then it's gonna ascend and innervate the larynx and so turn into recurrent nerve, okay? And then it's gonna be upper and, or superior and inferior and internal and external, laryngeal nerves, whatever. But it's very important to have this in mind. The left go over the, the aortic uh, arch as the right go on the subclavian artery. Make sense?
1: Yeah.
0: So my question now, because you're very smart. If I have a tumor or an aneurysm at the level of the aortic arch, and these nerve, are, I mean, the vagus is responsible to give branches to innervate the larynx. And you just in your anatomy one or two, one or many times that this nerve innervates the larynx. What do you think is going to happen, guys?
1: Horseness. Huh? Horseness. Horse voice. Horseness.
0: Very good. Of course it's going to happen.
1: And aspiration.
0: Aspiration because you cannot motorly, you know, close this, uh, even the, the we need to be- make sure because we have upper innervation, lower innervation, that means upperly to the vocal cords, lowerly to the vocal cords, and we're going to talk about this later. But have this in mind, okay? Uh-huh. Oh, it is very important for us to know <laughs> the tidal cervical trunk, okay? tidal cervical trunk this one over here okay this one giving branches even the suprascapular artery is coming out from the tidal cervical trunk see tidal cervical trunk and then we have um, uh, the thyroid the thyroid artery the superior or ascending thyroid artery over here and even we have more branches, and there is another one that I want you to just know, guys, because we have uh, uh, remember that the, the right and left subclavian artery, they give rise of the tidal cervical trunk, as the carotid, the external carotid, is giving a branch that is the the ascending pharyngeal artery, okay? So I want you to understand that some, in some cases in the, in the thyroid gland, in in 10% of the population, you know, we're gonna have an IMA artery, IMA artery, I-M-A artery that is responsible for supply, the fresh blood is an artery, supply the fresh blood to the isthmus and a little bit uh um, uh middle part of the lobes of thyroid gland. Okay this is a posterior view. What is the important part here? The vertebral arteries. Vertebral arteries are not giving. I'm going to talk about this again. Vertebral arteries are not given any branches to supply the neck. Just go to supply the vertebral column and go and cross by the foramen magnum to make the, the vasilar artery. And from the vasilar artery, and we're going to have, of course, the, the posterior inferior cerebellar artery as well. And this is so important for us in the future because the person that is having an ischemia, and, and a, a terrible ischemia forever over there, is gonna have the, you know, lock, lock-in syndrome. Have you ever heard about lock-in syndrome? Yeah. This person that is, I mean, uh, is having the, the cortex of the brain working well, but cannot move, just the eyes can move. A certain movement of the eyes. Lokin syndrome. Ah, just, just, um, you know, I love this a lot. So, I mean, no, you don't understand, you understand. Okay, so this is important, the detail that the vertebral arteries are crossing by these um, uh, little holes that is known as a foramen transversarium. Transversarium because these foramina and located at the transverse processes that's it okay so it's going in between 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 in the foramina transversarium and uh, entering to the uh, foramic magnum and the rest is is uh, cut okay so we don't have any branches from the vertebral arteries supplying the the cranium, all the structure of the cranium or the neck, okay? Uh, carotid pulses, we know. What is the importance over here? Uh, very important because we're going to check the carotid pulses is the first thing we do when we are doing uh, you know, uh, CPR or before we start CPR. And uh, in every cardiovascular and peripheral vascular examination, we're gonna check the carotid artery as well, okay? So um, what do we have that is so important over here? We have two structures that are essential. One is the, is the, the carotid sinus located where? At the bifurcation, right? And in between, maybe posteriorly or maybe very close or in between, we have the carotid body. Okay? So, carotid sinus, baroreceptor, as carotid body is okay. chemoreceptor. Chemoreceptor that is going to work with the pH of the blood. Okay? Sending a signal to the pontine, pontomedular centers of breathing in order to increase. The, the ventilation, right? Because we need to get rid of some CO2 around, okay? So, um, what else? Okay, the different branches. Remember, another way to auscultate the bruids on the subclavian, sorry, on the carotid artery is auscultating over the mastoid process because we have several segments of the carotid artery before carotid artery turn in the artery arteries feeding the anterior part of the brain and give branches to all of these arteries right anterior communicated anterior cerebral artery and directly away from the from the carotid artery we have middle cerebral artery, okay? Making this uh, inferior part. Uh, this is the right part, right? Remember, the right, huh? inferior thyroid from here. The variation is okay, variation is good to know, that's it. Um, okay, the, the, the different branches Remember when we talk about veins and arteries, arteries supply as vein drains. Are you good with this? Okay, this is a concept, guys. So veins are very close to lymphatic structures. even though some lymphatic structures are closer to arteries at certain point in some places in the body. Okay. So uh, the veins of the neck, external jugular vein. Ah, uh, oh my God! Let me. I cannot change this. Yes, drains. Ha. Because come on, guys. Okay. Drain. Okay, or drains. Anyways because I'm talking about only one, right? The majority of the external face, external jugular vein. Internal jugular vein, internal jugular vein. Uh, We have anterior jugular vein that is making, uh, taking care of the anterior aspect of the neck. And they communicate, all both anterior jugular veins communicate via a jugular venous arch okay and empty into the subclavian all of these okay so what else here anterior jugular veins anterior jugular veins okay this is the internal jugular vein, external jugular vein remember this is taking care of the neck and the face, external jugular vein and internal jugular vein is taking care mainly of the blood that is coming down from the brain okay so at the let's say at the at the, the base of the neck, combined with the subclavian vein, to form the brachiocephalic vein. And uh, bless you. And and after this, we're gonna empty all the blood into superior vena cava. We talk about this, and we talk about uh, what is what can happen uh, doing a surgical dissection of the triangle, of the carotid triangle of the neck. So, suppose that we are doing a surgery of the right carotid artery. What nerve can result damage from there? The vagus. If the vagus nerve results damage, what is going to happen? Horseness happens, right? Uh, Some other thing, but I want you to go with the horseness. Okay?
1: Okay.
0: So we have some other part over here. Of course, we have branches of the glossopharyngeal nerve as well. And we can have uh, a damage of the glossopharyngeal nerve. And if we have a damage of this parasympathetic branch of the glossopharyngeal nerve, what is going to happen? I know we haven't studied yet the, the salivary glands. Uh, we're gonna study with the mouth, but what can happen?
1: Of, of,
0: of course, the visceral motor of the glossopharyngeal nerve is not gonna work. Dry mouth, no more parotid gland secretion from that side. The group of the lymph nodes we talk about. This this is a very uh, nice cartoon that gives you what is superior, what is inferior, what is anterior, what is posterior, what is lateral. Talking about the blood vessels at the root of the neck. Okay? In your book, they separate the visor of the neck in aerodigestive part. Okay? But I gave you a little bit more specific things of the visor of the neck that we're gonna go in a while. Okay, you have this as well in the book. So uh, this is the lateral view of the innervation, uh, the sympathetic trunk. We're gonna study this closely in the back. When we study the back together with the plexuses, okay? Together with all the the root, the nerve roots. okay? Look at the right recurrent nerve, okay? This is the right Vegas, okay, so this is the location, we, we, we take away what, the structure here, the, crisis. Mm-hmm. Huh? the vein, beautiful, what vein, the,
1: jugular
0: vein. the jugular, vein. jugular vein, internal jugular vein, the jugular vein in general, beautiful, okay, triangles of the name, what are those? let's say in the anterior, the anterior boundaries of the, the anterior triangle uh, boundaries are lateral, anterior border, anterior border of the sternocleidomastoid, anterior, anterior midline of the neck, the midline of the neck, right? superior the inferior part of the mandible so here we go okay now this is going to be divided in four smaller triangles and these are divided for descriptive purposes and we're going to locate as well the structures we're going to find over there the submandibular it's very easy because it's inferiorly located to the mandible uh, and the anterior and posterior um, digastric bellies, digastric muscle belly Okay, and digastric is a suprahyoid muscle. We have a beautiful chart for you with everything about these muscles. Okay, and what do we have over there? Some mandibular gland submandibular duct, mandibular ducts, some mandibular lymph nodes. Some mandibular uh, lymph nodes that are going to collect the lymph of what the structure of the leaves? Who tell me? What part of the, oh, the leaves.
1: Yeah. <laughs> okay.
0: Uh, who tell me? Inferior or superior leaves? Are you sure? Inferior? Superior, superior leaves and? the angle of the, of the mouth, right? This goes to the submandibular lymph nodes. Hmm. Okay, anyway. The subminter triangle between the body of hyoid bone and the right and, 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 and left uh, anterior bellies of digastric muscle, and the the apex is the mandibular axis okay submental so lymph nodes So mental lymph nodes that are draining the inferior lips right look at this inferior leaves superior i mean life is like this carotid triangle what is the 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 limit anterior belly of the omohyoid um, um, muscle, okay? Posterior belly of the digastric and anterior border. When you see this, uh, I'm gonna show you much better. Uh, you can take notes of this for sure, very well. And of course, what are we, are we gonna find over there? Everything that is in the carotid shit, okay? So we don't go again. Muscular triangle, hyoid bone, anterior border of the sternocleidomastoid and superior belly of the homo, homohyoid muscle. And of course, we're gonna have the midline of the neck. And all the infrahyoid muscle, the thyroid, the parathyroid gland. The posterior, I mean anterior, is the one having all of this subdivision. Make sure that you you go on the this um, um, digastric triangle. Okay, so the the triangles of the posterior part of the neck. The borders are. The anterior border of the trapezius, anteriorly is the posterior border. If the anterior border of the sternocleidomastoid is a, is a boundary for the anterior uh, triangle of the neck, the posterior border of the sternocleidomastoid is going to be the anterior border for the posterior triangle of the neck. Make sense? Mm-hmm. Beautiful. So inferior is the the third, the medial third of the clavicle, (laughs) okay, over here, middle aspect of the clavicle, the mid clavicular part, okay. So the roof, the investing layer of the deep cervical fascia, you hate this fascia. And the floor, me too. (laughs) It's terrible. You know, open the posterior wall of the pharynx, instrumentally, is so bad, guys. It's one of the complications of the endotracheal intubation, okay? All this instrumentation that people consider that is, oh, it's so easy to intubate. No, it's complicated think you're doing very well, you are uh, produ- producing a big lesion in, in your patient, let me tell you. And the floor is, is made up of the posterior muscles of the neck, okay? The splenius capitis, levator capuli, and now we're gonna talk about these muscles when we have the back, okay? Uh, the vessels, of course, all the vessels we study already in the neck. The structures that we're gonna find, uh, the accessory nerve, remember, that is leaving the cranium and innervating, which one? The trapezius and the sternocleidomastoid at the front. So, the occipital triangle and the supraclavicular triangle, they are subdivided by the inferior belly of the homohyoid muscle in the back, okay? And of course, it's crossed by the number 11. The supraclavicular, we have the smaller and we have the greater. What we have over there, external jugular vein, suprasca- scapular artery, So, clavian artery, that's why it's so important. And let me tell you, add another structure that is very important, it's pleura. Pleura. Most likely, you can have this this pleura in the greater supraclavicular in the right part, in the right thorax. It is very important for us because let me tell you in the future one of your competencies is access the uh, and, and perform a central line and subclavian vein is around there right as well as subclavian artery then one of the complications could be what? puncture, puncture deplora. Okay, if we puncture the pleura, what is going to happen? Pneumothorax is going to happen. We're going to lose the negative pressure inside. Okay? And this is more illustrative of all of these uh, uh, triangles. Okay? Um, anterior cervical region, just for you guys. Uh, we don't see over here just a little bit of occipital artery that arises from. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, anyways, arises from the subclavian artery, right? Then we have uh, ansa cervicalis over here. Okay, ansa cervicalis. The ansa cervicalis from the, the cervical nerves that innervates part of the extrinsic muscles of the larynx. We're gonna go there. This is homohyoid muscle, sternocleidomastoids, right? Let's differentiate the homohyoid over here, okay? Then uh, another, this is the <laughs> sternohyoid muscle, Sterno because go from the sternum and go and insert in the origin in the hyoid and insert into the sternum. Okay, so uh, it's important because all of these muscles are the one responsible to keep the the hyoid bone go and together with the ligaments, of course. Okay, going up and down, up and down. Okay and even a little bit back sometimes. The facial nerve, facial nerve mandibular branch, marginal mandibular branch of the facial nerve. Another interesting part, submandibular lymph nodes, okay? Tidal hyoid, you're a lady. If you're joining like this, oh my God. You see, I record my hearing. So guys, and I have a very nice olfaction. Okay, so let's go with the muscle of the anterior cervical region. And let's go first on the suprahyoid muscle. They are located and inserted, okay, between the mandible and the hyoid muscle. They don't go farther than that. Okay? Those are, sorry, those are infrahyoid. Where are the suprahyoid? Oh my god. I'm down. Where's the suprahyoid bone? No way. Oh my God. Ah, over here. Okay. (laughs) Sorry guys, sorry. (laughs) Panic. (laughs) Panic. Can you imagine I have to? Okay, but before I'm gonna go on this, let me talk to you about, uh, about this guy, the hyoid bone, okay? hyoid bone with the tip of the insertion of the different uh, muscles over here, right? Henioglossus, genioglossus, genohyoid, and chondroglossus. We're going to talk about this when we talk about mouth because those are linked to the tongue. Remember, if you touch over here, <clears throat> when you protrude the tongue, the hyoid bone is gonna move. When you swallow, the hyoid bone is gonna move. When we are talking, the hyoid hyoid uh, bones is moving as well. Okay. So <clears throat> these are the insertion of the other muscle, the stylohyoid. The homo. stylohyoid because go from the hyoid bone to styloid beautiful styloid process mylohyoid because it's the myo, myo muscles and the, uh, this is the insertion of the mylohyoid muscle and the sternohyoid we talk about this anteriorly we can um, look at the Two big, extensive branches, those are known as a greater cornu or cornua, okay? Because it's plural. Lesser cornu over here, okay? And over here we have the body of the hyoid bone, okay? This is an anterior aspect of the bone, This is a lateral aspect, and you see the lesser corneum over here. Uh, This is flat because it's anterior, so you don't see this. So this is the lesser corneum and the greater corneum. And here we have the attachment of the different muscles. The middle constrictor, when we are swallowing, mm, okay, and the hypoglossus. The hyoglossus sorry hyoglossus that has to do a lot with the, the tongue so uh, i mean all of the things uh remember doesn't um join with may join with another bone is located at the level of c3 cervical three okay uh protect the esophagus facilitate a lot of things um, uh, a lot of muscle activity for speaking and swallowing. And when we extend the neck, you can visualize the hyoid bone. Do not confuse hyoid bone with thyroid cartilage. Okay? Thyroid cartilage is huge, is the, you can say is the first one that you're gonna see and belong to the larynx, right? So the larynx hanging from the hyoid bone. So um, what is important I mean uh, all of these uh, attachment of the of the muscles are important. okay? The muscular attachment are over here, the supra and the infrahyoid this is the location anteriorly in in the neck you see this one is the thyroid uh, cartilage the one that when join the anterior lamina when they join anteriorly they make the adam's apple that is so you know visible in male so uh those are the one related to the, the mouth over here and pharynx. The constrictor when we are swallowing, okay? Uh, the, hypo, the hyoglossus and the genioglossus uh, upper and lower. So all of these are ligaments that attach the hyoid bone. The stylohyoid ligament extends from the styloid process to the hyoid bone where the lesser cordon, to the lesser cordon, okay? The thyroid hyoid membrane that starts in the superior border of the thyroid cartilage is going to attach to the posterior surface, posterior surface uh, at at the side of the greater cordon, okay? So, and we have the hypo, the hyoepiglottic ligament as well. And this connects the hyoid bone to the anterior part of the epiglottis. It's one of the nine cartilages of the, the larynx. What is the clinical relevance? Guys, essentially, let me tell you forensic. Okay hyoid bone tends to misalign during hang, okay? And fracture at the center during a blunt force of strangulation. So sometimes people, they, you know, strangle the the victim and then they hang the victim. Oh no, no, it was suicide. Well, what's not suicide? You killer, okay? <laughs> so I'm not telling you that it's always like this. Let me tell you, not always happen. Uh, when a bone has more the tendency to broke, to fracture. You tell me, when? In uh, in age, in elderly, why? Calcium it could yeah could be we have osteopenia that is not necessarily a pathological condition but let's say with the age bones turn breeder mm-hmm. much better mm-hmm. we have more no don't hold don't, don't hold an animal. Okay, let's talk about composition. We have more than,
1: come on, in the blanks.
0: We have less what?
1: Organic
0: compounds than inorganic compounds of the bone. What are the organics ones? The one that gives, the, the, uh, communicate the bone the flexibility, that makes the, the bone a little bit malleable, you know? Like in uh, little one, uh, a little bit of austen is gonna be less present in the in the elderly than non-organic compounds like hydroxyapatite, like calcium, phosphorus, all of these. So this makes the bone brittle. So. Uh, this kind of thing, sometimes you can see this in, in, uh, in adults that they are not so old as well, okay? Of course, but it's mainly senior. Uh, anyways, not always happens. And you're gonna see this in, in your, I know you, you, you wanted to go, right? To the morgue this semester. But we're gonna go, we're gonna go, okay? So a little bit of some muscles over here. No
1: uh,
0: time? What time is it? Oh, ah yeah, okay. Okay guys, let's take five uh, ten minutes. Thank you. To where the fibers are gonna contract, right? Come on, mija. Okay, good. So suprahyoid, what are those? Milohyoid, genohyoid, that we don't need to know at this point, right? No genome at this point, but the stylohyoid and digastric are very good for us. So digastric, what do they do? They work with infrahyoid, with the infrahyoid muscle, and depresses the mandible against resistance. Because we learned already the mandible depresses by gravity. Okay? Depresses the mouth against resistance. Sometimes when, uh, uh, I don't know, this happened to me. Um, eating fruits, you know, when you eat a lot of mangoes and, uh, or a lot of uh, um, dry nuts, is gonna give you some pain over here, right? I don't know, this happened to me. Not, not for a long time, but it happens to me. Okay? Elevates and steadies hyoid during elevates and steadies hyoid bone during swallowing and speaking. This is digastric, okay? Posterior belly of the digastric is going to be innervated by the digastric branch of the facial nerve. Of the facial nerve. Interesting. The myelohyoid elevates the hyoid, the floor of the mouth and the tongue during swallowing and speaking. And of course, if it's, the, if it's so close, myohyoid, I mean the line of mandible over here, we have what? Mandibular nerve. Okay? In the case of stylohyoid, elevates and retracts the hyoid. And elongate, elongate means make the, the mouth bigger, elongate the floor of the mouth. Elongate. Okay? In in the caudal direction inferior direction, elongate, open the, the mouth more, but just the floor, understand? When you, okay. Good. <laughs> and uh, let's see, those are the main actions. And I mean, the origin is very interesting for us to know essentially let's go with the action and innervation of this one of course all of them receive the the external uh, mainly the branches of the external carotid artery okay and on top of this they are going to drain of course using the external jugular vein as every other structure of the neck okay and the the face Those are the different uh, insertions and origin and insertions, origin and insertions. In this case, the digastric anterior belly to the angle of the, the, I mean, the vertex of the mandible, and go and and uh, insert, do the insertion in the hyoid bone. This is the hyoglossus. Has to do with the. You see how they go to the floor of the mouth because they are uh, part of the movement of the muscles that move the tongue, the, the right? This is the stylohyoid ligament and the, sty- the, the styloid process over here. Uh, all the places that we know for the insertion of this, uh, this attachment of the, the muscle. And of course, we have um, the sternothyroid, the cricothyroid, the oblique. We're going to go in a while to this. A little bit more of the suprahyoid muscle and the infrahyoid muscle. Okay? Milo is supra as homo is infra. Okay? Then supra, all of these. Okay? Those are, this is the hyoid, all of these are related mainly to the, the tongue, right? And the infrahyoid, the sternohyoid, the omohyoid, the tyrohyoid, and the sternothyroid. Uh, those are infrahyoid muscles. We have the scalene over here, the trapezius, the sternocleidomastoid, the anterior, and the posterior uh, bellies of the sternocleidomastoid. Okay. Um. Posterior muscles of the neck over here, and a little bit of the superior belly of the omohyoid muscle. Okay. The sternohyoid over here. I don't see anything from here. Anyways, if I made a mistake, please let me know, okay? Then superior belly of the homohyoid. This is, over here is the tyrohyoid muscle. I don't know, but looks like. And over here, the mylohyoid, okay? And uh, we have the digastric around this area, right? Okay. The one that moves the head and neck, guys, uh the scalene and the sternocleidomastoid, and of course um we have as well the trapezius uh, moving the shoulders. Okay, the shoulders. So um a description of the sternocleidomastoids, right? Sternocleidomastoids. Uh We know how to deal with this. We know that when they contract on one side, it's gonna move the head on the opposite side, right? And when they contract uh, together, we're gonna bend uh, the neck or do a flexion of the neck, okay? So the scalene works works with the sternocleidomastoid, together with the flex the neck okay and um, we're gonna talk about the scalene muscles more in the back and in the upper in the in the shoulder girdle in the upper part of the uh, appendices okay appendages uh, more of the posterior muscles of the neck and vision of the neck the viscera of the neck. Viscera means what? Organs, right? Uh, we have, of course, the salivary glands as part of these organs of the neck as well. But we're going to talk about the parotid, the, the submandibular, the surlingual salivary glands when we talk about the mouth in the next, uh, next week. Okay, superficial to deep. Why superficial to deep? Because first, we're going to find the skin, right, and all the layers of the skin. Then we're going to have the aponeurosis, the epimysium we were talking about, for the platysma, and then and the fascia, remember? Then fascia that wrap, wrap the platysma all the place. And then a little bit after this platysma, we're going to find the thyroid gland, right? Thyroid gland is the first that you're going to see. So, the endocrine layer or endocrine organs, endocrine layer composed by thyroid gland and parathyroid gland. Okay? Tyroid gland anteriorly located both sides uh, of the middle line of the neck and embedded in the posterior part of the lobes of the thyroid gland we're going to have the parathyroid gland. No necessarily needs to be four of them. No necessarily needs to be located in that place. Sometimes you can find them in the inside the thorax. Sometimes you're going to find them in some other place in the neck because we are not made up of in a factory, right? So we have variations of this anatomy thing, anatomical thing. The respiratory layer is composed by the larynx and the trachea, right? The trachea that started at the, who tell me, anatomy one or whatever. Vamos. Trachea starts. Where? Huh? Trachea? I mean anatomical plans and directions. Come on guys. Trachea is located. Huh? Who tell me? Guys, use the word superiorly, inferiorly, anteriorly, posteriorly. Who described the trachea? What the trachea is? Uh, posterior anterior. to the thyroid. Oh,
1: okay. And anterior to the esophagus.
0: Yes. Okay. The trachea is one. Anterior to the thyroid and posterior. inferior. Anterior to the thyroid. You said. No. Okay. Okay. <laughs> it's posterior to the thyroid gland, right? Okay and inferior to them? To the larynx. Right. And um, what else? Anterior to the esophagus. Very well, anterior to the esophagus. And is posterior or anterior to the platysma? Posterior. Posterior to the platysma. I am me, oh my God. <laughs> okay guys, you have your thing on you. Don't don't look at anatomy like uh, like uh, that. It's, it's for somebody else. No, it's you. Your body. Your your this. Okay. So you touch here, and you say, okay, my hyoid bone is superiorly to the thyroid cartilage, as the thyroid cartilage is inferiorly to the hyoid bone but this thyroid cartilage is superiorly to the cricoid cartilage, okay, no, yes, superior to the, because when we start the larynx, the first, the first uh, cartilage we have is the thyroid cartilage, right, so if we continue down, we're going to find the thyroid gland with two lobes, right? <clears throat> then anteriorly to the thyroid glands, we have the platysma muscle, okay? And then we have the skin and all the layers. Uh, don't forget the fascia, okay? Come the tip of the fascia, okay? So, thyroid gland, anteriorly to the trachea, that is posteriorly, and of course, trachea continue inferiorly. Right. inferiorly. These two first C-shaped rings is where we're going to perform tracheostomy. Are we good with the location of the thing? Okay? Locations of the thing I mean where we have the, everything in the neck okay? Medially in the neck we have the trachea okay it's very important to know this because if the trachea is deviated to the right or left we have a problem houston right (laughs) we have a big problem so it is important for us to know that the trachea okay on the right and left we're gonna find the carotid pulses the carotid artery is located between the anterior edge of the sternocleidomastoid uh, muscle and the, the trachea. Are we good? Mm-hmm. This kind of things is what I want from, from you to know. Because at the time, you're gonna do your uh, shoulder injection or knee injection or whatever kind of things you, 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 you're going to do. Because let me tell you, physician Assistant, do everything. You're gonna do whatever procedure in your life that you can imagine. If you learn this well, you're gonna perform everything. So guys, it's very important to understand what is the upper quadrant, because everything in the body, you can separate in quadrants, no? Uh, for example, the eyes, you separate the, the, uh, the eyes in quadrants as well. And you can determine that a patient is having a quadragnosia, cannot see from a quadrant that could be, um, I don't know, external, upper quadrant, internal, upper uh, quadrant, or the lower quadrant, internal, and external. So you need to, I mean, when you palpate a breast, you will need to know exactly where a lump is located. If it's inferiorly, superiorly, if it's deeper or superficial, because you can palpate with your finger pads that are precious to you, you know, where the damage is, as well as in the abdomen that we're going to do on Tuesday. So respiratory layer, the alimentary layer, you, you told me already, esophagus is located posteriorly to the trachea. The esophagus continues. Okay? After pharyngo-laryngo. I mean, uh, uh, laryngopharyngeal part, right? Uh, we're going to talk about the esophagus in the next, uh, the next week when we talk about the mouth because there is a lot, okay? And yes, the, the part that belongs to the respiratory, uh, respiratory layer and the alimentary layer, they pass air and food, but not at the same time, right? Mm-hmm. We swallow food, so we have the piglottis avoiding the food going into the, into the, into the larynx, Right? And we uh, swallow air as well into the esophagus. Right? For example, I'm swallowing a lot of air. My stomach is full of air and a little bit of coffee. (laughs) 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 So, (laughs) you know, what can I say? Okay? So pharynx, we're going to talk about pharynx next week endocrine remember oh thyroid gland parathyroid gland yes they are innervated but this innervation listen now is not commanding the production and secretion of the hormones no never it's just for pain and this kind of things okay sensory mainly because they are under the control of the master gland right and of course negative feedback right when we don't need we don't produce because we are using we are good so if i'm old i'm not drinking milk why i need to have lactase i don't need that the body doesn't produce what the body doesn't need Okay, so uh, thyroid gland, we talk about these. All of these, yes, at the level of between C5 and T1 vertebrae. When we write down C, we're talking about the cervical the cervical vertebrae, they're seven, thoracic, they're 12 and there is a song for that, so on and uh, two lobes connected by arismus, but you know m- m- more than me about this because you, ex- uh, you do the examination of the thyroid gland already. Sternohyoid and sternothyroid muscles are located at the front of thyroid, okay? You need to separate them in order to do the surgery. You need to separate them And uh, sometimes you need to open even the the aponeurosis of these muscles. Um, Okay, let me see what is. Okay, tracheal fascia, we talked about the tracheal fascia before, anterolateral, all these muscles. Posterolateral, the carotid sheath containing the common carotid artery, the vagus, surgery of the thyroid. Mm -hmm. Surgery of the thyroid gland is a clinical relevance point, a relevant, very relevant point, okay? Because we can damage all of these structures. And on top of this, we can take with us, without asking for permission, the parathyroid glands too and Houston, we're gonna have a big problem. Okay, posterior medial, we have the larynx, the trachea, the pharynx, the esophagus, all of these, the external laryngeal nerve and the recurrent laryngeal nerve, okay? The vascular supply, superior thyroid artery, superior thyroid artery, and uh, we don't see the EMA here, but we have EMA Um, you know, supplying uh, uh, the the isthmus when it's present. Let me tell you, the isthmus doesn't need a nominate artery. But some people, they have this artery. Okay, 10% of the population. So, uh, inferior thyroid, the inferior thyroid artery over here, Okay, that is uh, a branch of the cervical trunk, but you know much better than me this. Those are the recurrent laryngeal nerves. Recurrent laryngeal nerves comes from vagus. Comes from vagus. Okay? They come from vagus. The venous drainage, superior middle and inferior thyroid veins. And uh, in order for you to know already... uh, parotid artery, uh, parotid glands are going to be supplied by the same network, okay, most likely the same network. Remember, these endocrine glands are dotless. okay, thyroid gland is going to produce T3, T4 is uh, it's the, the gland that regulates the metabolism in the body, right? Under the influence of what hormone? TSH, oh, thyroid <laughs> stimulating hormone, produced and secreted by pituitary. 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 What part? Adeno hypophysis, okay, or adeno pituitary or anterior pituitary gland. Um. Again, guys, it is very important for us to be familiar with the different names. Nasha, thank you very much for calling my attention in this. Yeah, you know, yes, it's very important for us to recognize the different names we're going to find in a book of a structure or organ because they vary. Okay. So it's anatomy. In anatomy, you need to be uh, uh, aware of every change. So uh, this is it. Uh, Here we have all of these. The nerves. Remember, they. I mean, they don't have nothing to do with the control of the production and secretion of hormones. Again, okay. So this is a whole thing we have, uh, you, you can, uh, uh, the only thing we, we uh, take away was everything but uh, the larynx and the thyroid, this whole thyroid here, let me see if I, uh, uh, the ema normally is here. You see this, this branch is here, this is an ema. I don't know if it's in there. I don't remember. It's a thyroid. It's a tiny little branch that is going to go off and supply is over there. Where? Yeah. Anyways, it's this one, guys? You see this? It's this one. OK? I'm okay with this. You're okay. This is What happened here is during surgery sometimes. Oh my God, if you are if you're not able to recognize that you have an artery over there that is the IMA, the bleeding is huge. It's a complication of the surgery. You need to do the, the ligation of this artery down here, okay, because it arises from the, the uh, subclavian over here, right? Mm. The lymphatic drainage is be- beautiful. It's huge. But, you know, unlikely when you treat a patient with cancer of thyroid, you know, unlikely this patient is going to develop metastasis. Who is the patient that developed metastasis? Mainly the male patient. Sorry. Why is that? Because they don't notice they're having problem in the neck. They don't notice they are too nervous or too having diarrhea, maybe something that I ate. Women, we run to see the doctor immediately because we like our, our neck, you know? Then we go and see the doctor immediately. As well with the, you know, the breast cancer, this happened the same, okay? Male patients, they go and visit the doctor. That's why when we educate a patient about cancer, we need to educate every single patient because breast cancer is not only for women, okay? thyroid cancer is not only for women, it's for everybody. I mean, uterus cancer is only for women. As prostate cancer is only for men, uh, we need to distinct that point. Okay. So, as well, all the um, uh, uh, jugular para jugular lymph nodes, all of this lymph is gonna drain and filter in these lymph nodes. And remember, uh, the jugular trunk is gonna drain into the directly sometimes in the duct or they're gonna drain in uh in a, in another you know just direct into the the jugular sometimes it depends anatomy it's anatomy okay this is the left brachiocephalic vein over here as you see all these lymph nodes together with the the trunk is closer to the venous structure. Okay, sometimes we have, uh, in the case of, uh, I think it's in the case of the um, some of the para, uh, you know, around the artery, we have some lymph nodes as well. Some of them, but it's, it's not gonna give a big problem is if you go and do the surgery immediately you determine this node is hot and you need to do surgery and the patient is going to recover very well and it's going to use of course this uh, supplementation of the hormones and so but this is this is m- most likely the lymphatic drainage of of the thyroid gland and together with the larynx as well with larynx, it's more aggressive because larynx and uh, the upper part uh, at the level of the vocal cords, they're gonna drain into that deep chain of the neck. Oh yeah, yeah, okay? It's laryngeal cancer. Mm-hmm. So we have all of this, superior this cervical, inferior is gonna go, uh, uh, deep cervicals uh, as well. I mean the upper part of the deep cervical chain, the lower part of the deep cervical chain, as well the pre-laryngeal and the paratracheal and pretracheal lymph nodes. This is a specimen, a real one. The thyroid cartilage, and you can notice it's a male. Okay, it's a male, was a male? No, it's a uh, male specimen, okay? So this is the isthmus over here, and the right and left lobe of the um, thyroid gland. Parathyroid, oval shape. They can come in four, they can come in six, they can come in two, in pairs, in four, in six, okay? Uh, maybe they, you can find them in the, in, inside the chest, maybe you can find them uh, attached to the lower part of the posterior uh, lobes uh, lower part of the posterior lobes of the thyroid gland and of course the nerves all of these and the arteries and the veins and the lymphatics they have to do a lot with the one we have for the thyroid and the trachea and this part of the anterior part of the neck. So, what is important, thyroidectomy tito- is when you uh, remove the thyroid gland for a reason, okay? Then, oh, I forgot and I removed the parathyroid as well. Then in the pulse, immediately in the pulse operative part, the patient starts suffering from tetanine. Tetany is different from tetanus. I want you to take a mental note of this. Tetanus is produced by, what? Clostridium, huh? Clostridium tetanium, okay? Are producing spasm, but this is infectious, okay? So tetany happens because we have a hypocalcemia. Then if we don't have enough calcium, what happens is the nervous tissue reacts irritating and the neurons start firing, firing, trying to make this contraction a possibility and fires so many times that produce a contraction. And this contraction is known as a tetany. And as well, you're gonna see a sign in the face of a patient that is known as a shvostek sign. You touch the face of the patient and you have a hyperreaction with the contraction of the face, okay? And on top of this, you have some other problems. And uh, you, you you can call this an emergency. You need to treat your patient immediately, supplying the calcium what you do is uh, during the surgery if you need to remove the whole thing some i mean they recommend to leave a part of the thyroid where the parathyroid is but in the case of uh, you know a malignant process it's much better to take away the parathyroid open an incision in any place of the body where you have abundant subcutaneous tissue and place the parathyroid because it's your own gland and it's gonna be very well, it's gonna work very well over there, okay? So uh, it's your own gland, okay? But you need to know medicine to do so. You cannot be an operator. This happened with the surgery. I mean, I don't have any, anything against surgeons, you know? But yeah, sometimes, you know. You know. Okay, so this is tetany, tetany. Mm? Then respiratory layer, larynx. Let's talk about the larynx. We talk about the position of the larynx, anterior compartment of the neck, continues inferiorly with the trachea, opens superiorly, with the pharyngeal larynx, that is gonna continue upwardly with the autopharynx, uh, that is gonna continue upwardly with the nasopharynx. Look at this, pharynx is huge. So, um, um, voice production, and many other things, because we need to, you know, permit the pass of the air it is true, in the trachea we don't filter the air, we filter the air in the, in the nasal, nasal cavity, right? Where we have this epithelium that you for sure remember, okay? What is that? Huh? Silostratified, ciliated, columnar epithelium with goblet cells, right? Because we produce a lot of mucus that turn into booger and you know. So, uh, it's worn together with the paranasal sinuses that we're gonna talk about these. And uh, serves as a sphincter of the lower respiratory tract. Huh? Do you remember what we talked about the, how the superior airways are going to constrict or are going to make itself narrower Mm -hmm. okay constrict when?
1: during
0: inspiration inspiration. inspiration. and relax beautiful okay is covered anteriorly by infrahyoid and laterally by the lobes of the thyroid gland and of course the larynx is very close to the vessels of the neck as you know and posterior we have the esophagus that continue behind the trachea inferiorly right Mm -hmm. okay so this is the thyroid cartilage over here those are the tracheal c-shaped cartilage okay and we have the relation with the thyroid here and the hyoid bone. This is the cricoid cricoid cartilage, okay? Tirocricoid ligament over here, okay? Beautiful. So we have nine cartilage, guys. Nine cartilage, okay? The thyroid and the cricoid and uh, epiglottis they are unique and single okay the thyroid is the largest one the thyroid is the largest one then uh they're going to encounter the lamina is going going to encounter uh, uh up front making this adam apple that we know of this okay The inferior horns of the thyroid cartilage, they're going to articulate with the cricoid cartilage, with the cricoid cartilage, and they have, at this point in the articulation, they have a synovial joint. That's why they move so much, okay? Then is this movement is a kind of rotation. You see this 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 arrow. It's a kind of this is the indicates the airway, but you see that the rotation is is gonna happen like a is like a gliding uh, joint, permitting the um, the larynx have uh, uh changes in, in the tension of the larynx and in the length as well of the vocal folds okay A uh, cricoid um arytenoid uh, ligament as well i mean a uh, joint is going to permit as well the the voice right the i mean in the book you can read if you have time, it's beautiful. I'm not gonna go on the mechanism of speech, but it's so good. You're gonna love it. I mean, you can find mechanism of speech, it's beautiful. I'm explaining every step, it's beautiful, okay? I I wish I have time to, to do all of these things. So the anterior part of the larynx, we have the the thyrohyoid membrane over here. Okay? Tyrohyoid, remember the name of the two structure. We have the hyoid bone and we have the thyroid cartilage. Okay? Tyrohyoid membrane. Over here we have the epiglottis that you don't see it like this. You need to use a mirror for larynx or go with the laryngoscopic examination or with a fiber optic visualization with a mirror for larynx you, you can see this you see the, the round mirror for dentists and for ENT people they use a light here in the past it was very funny because we use a bulb here that comes for a, to a mirror here <laughs> reflects the light here and then you have your tongue depressor here And you have the mirror here, and this light is going to come here and send the light into this mirror, and in this way, oh, we can see the larynx. Now they have like a miners. They have a a light here. Yeah, they have a light, and they do the same. But the majority of them, they use this uh, fiber optic thing that is so... (coughs) I don't like it. I mean, I don't like to be done on me, you know, like the other day. Oh, my God. Okay. This is the thyroid cartilage, the cricoid, And uh, listen, thyroid ligament. And I'm going to open a hole here. Okay. thyroid ligament is here. Where I'm gonna open a hole in emergency, okay? To permit the person not liking the movies, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, give me your pen. No. <laughs> give me a straw. Oh. oh my God. The posterior view, and we cut the posterior part, okay? So all the laryngeal cartilage together, the epiglottis, the thyroid from here, the cricoid here, arytenoids, and the corniculate. In the corniculate, we have the insertion of the vocal cords, okay? So more of the same with all the ligaments, all the ligaments, okay? Uh, This is the epiglottis. And here we have the ad, ad uh, the folds, the folds uh, uh, the vocal folds, no that the vocal cords. you know stop the um, uh, foreign bodies to pass from the vestibule into the uh, uh, soup um, you can say vestibular in the vestibule of the um, before the vocal cords, and the vocal cords avoid the pass, all of these, avoid the pass of foreign body into the larynx, okay, the vocal folds. Um, You can see tiny little things sometimes just stack on the vocal folds, okay, and didn't go through the vocal cords into the into the larynx and passing the larynx, is gonna go to the trachea, and it's gonna go straight ahead into the?
1: Bronchus.
0: What bronchus? The right, the right. You, you know them all. Okay, then, uh, let's see. Okay, what is very important? I mean, we need to know the the voice, the voice is made up of using what guys, using these two guys together, okay. Uh, the cricoid cartilage is making as well, this cricoid cartilage, you see all the characteristic of the thyroid cartilage, the cri- cricoid cartilage is thicker than the thyroid cartilage, it's Thicker is thicker than, than the thyroid. Thyroid is bigger, but this guy is is thicker. So uh, we have um, the lamina of this cricoid uh, uh, cartilage is make the they go together and make the arch, and um, as well this this cricoid cartilage is going to um for example when the larynx uh is is um when the when the larynx when when we are going to vocalize right they make the they make the they join to the arytenoids as well okay the arytenoids cartilage so these are the some of the muscles. And uh, the muscles of the larynx are separated in extrinsic and intrinsic. Extrinsic muscles of the larynx, we study them already. They are the skeletal muscles that we study already. What are those? Those are the suprahyoid and the infrahyoid muscles. Now, the intrinsic muscles of the larynx are the one that makes the miracle happen the sound of voice okay so those uh the tyrohyoid muscle is extrinsic remember but the cricothyroid muscle is extrinsic as well all of these are uh, going together but they are part of the exterior part of the larynx Okay, inside the larynx, we have the arytenoid muscles. Okay, you see how they cross over here. This is part of the intrinsic muscle. We have the corniculate cartilage with a with, and and the cuneiform cartilage. These two tiny little things over here. Okay, and the arytenoid cartilage making a uh, these cartilages. Okay, and these oblique arytenoid muscles are going to make together uh, the possibilities of the uh, voice. We go there. So this is a laryngoscopic view of the entrance of the larynx. Okay, this is the base of the tongue and this one is the epiglottis. Those are the corniculate cartilage. The, this one, these two, the core, cuneiform one, okay, rimanglutitis, and the vocal folds. The vestibular folds are the ones that avoid the foreign body to pass inside the trachea. So the vocal ligaments, they are going to be uh they have elastic connective tissue. Epiglottis as well is made up of hyaline, sorry, elastic tissue as well. The rest of the cartilages of the, the, the larynx are hyaline cartilage, okay? Hyaline cartilage. They are covered with mucosa to form the vocal folds, okay? And the, this one produces sounds when the air is leaving. Yeah, but we need to finish this lecture.
1: We have a class.
0: Oh, what class you have? Oh my God, it's okay. Sorry. I mean, I'm taking my time too much. I know. I want to be with you guys. This is the problem. Yeah, no, it's okay. I mean, it's, it's a little bit what we miss. The only thing before you go, guys, because everything is explained here and so. Uh, it's like a four slides, right?
1: Yeah.
0: Okay. Before we, we go, remember what, what we were talking about this before the, the branches of the veggies? Okay. This is the Vegas. Okay. And goes and rub. Okay the aortic arch and go and innervate the larynx okay turn into recurrent and innervate the larynx and we have the for example the external larynx laryngeal nerve that is motor and it's take over the arytenoid muscle okay take over this arytenoid muscle and we have the inferior uh, laryngeal nerve. Inferior laryngeal nerve is sensory, okay? And superior laryngeal nerve is sensory as well. And you need to go, okay? The recurring is modern and the external laryngeal nerve is motor. The rest are sensory, guys. Okay? Are we good? Yeah. The rest are sensory. Okay? Then, yeah? Okay. We're going to pass this to here. And
1: we're
0: going to go <laughs> it's okay. a uh, uh, right, right present and that's it) No, thank you.